You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York blue. Brian. Scott. <laughs> Take two. Take two. Nope. <laughs> As the audience doesn't know, we had, we just, we'd, you know, we were riffing. We were going. Oh, we were rolling. You know. And then all of a sudden, duty called. Duty calls. I got to do some work. My job. I was on a work call, Scott, and uh, I'm on my call, and I, I start hearing <laughs> from the nether regions of my apartment, Daddy! Daddy! As I'm on the call, <laughs> with no regard for <laughs> what I'm dealing with. My son comes in. Some Apparently, there was an issue with the television. And... <laughs> wow. uh, he needed it dealt with and dealt with immediately. Yeah. Uh, customer support uh, was not responding to him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> very upset. Just the total lack of regard for me or what might be happening to me or what I might be doing sometimes. It just, it's something. Yeah. It's weird. Children don't seem to care about the adult <laughs> world. It's <laughs> not at all. No. I mean, no, the, like, I don't know, like, I'm on, you know, it's like my son gets that, like, I have a job and it matters and it, it's tied into money and things like that. But the stakes have clearly not made it through, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, here's what I think. I think they don't quite understand that we have bosses. Like, I think they think that we want to do our jobs because why else would we spend that much time all oh, day they doing definitely that? Do. They think their jobs are great and yeah. that they must be super fun. Right. <laughs> why do we do them get... all day, every day? <laughs> they get to have a job. Yeah. It's like all that stuff that kids think they like love to play doing the dishes and they're like oh this must be fun because you know my parents are always doing it no <laughs> no right i would rather do anything else right life is not fun no not at all <laughs> not, not, not. almost never yeah yeah adult <laughs> life is not fun anyway my children's lives seem wonderful they are wonderful our children's yeah. lives are wonderful they're wonderful i mean can you even believe it it's weird too when I'm teaching. Uh, like, I I, I teach seniors in high school, and I will sometimes, or sometimes they'll ask, or sometimes just some topic comes up, and I'll harken back to, you know, our days in the hallways of of Darien High School, and it's like they can. It, it must. It's something for them when I have to explain to them. Like, not only did I not have a cell phone, like any cell phone, let alone a you know a pocket sized supercomputer. But, like, no cell phone at all. There was barely the internet. Yeah. You know? Like, I have to explain to him. I do remember getting Prodigy in, like, the seventh grade. Yes. Prodigy was big. Yeah. And, like, checking ESPN.com and thinking, well, this internet thing is useless. The the scores are more up to date in the newspaper than whatever this is. I was so excited about this. This internet thing is never – it's going nowhere. Yeah, no, there's no future. (laughs) but you know they're stunned because they're just like well like what did you do if you wanted to meet up with your friends and it was like i mean you had to call their house you had to talk to their parents sometimes or siblings 
Calling your house was just an adventure every time. Just, you know, (laughs) I don't think your dad was probably the guy I wanted to get the most if it wasn't you right off the bat. And he almost never, I don't think I ever called your house or your dad into the phone. Yeah, no, he doesn't answer the phone. (laughs) That's for other other people in the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's not one of his responsibilities. And see, I'm jealous of that. I, I wish that I could live in a world where it was like, you know, it was understood in my house. Yeah, he doesn't answer the phone. I wish yeah. that, you know, I had that. Yeah. You know, I was watching a Friends episode and they were they were getting Chandler or whatever was looking for a job, you know, and he was just like scouring the classifieds in the newspaper. And I was like, right. Wow. How did you get a job back in the day? <laughs> right. Like without the Internet, you know, like and then you, you read the classifieds and then what? You just called them. You just were like, hey. <laughs> also, how did you sort the classifieds? You know, you had to read every classified. Everyone. Yeah, that's true, right? Yeah. yeah. I guess at least when you had to call, you had a you got to somebody, right? Maybe it gave you maybe it was more of an in and you you like you're right into a interview almost. Maybe. Uh, uh I guess that's I have no true. idea how that worked. Yeah. I have to say. I know. It's a it's a it's a time that's it's just gone now. It's passed us by. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. <laughs> Right. So I'm that old. I'm whatever that is, years old. Yeah. Like whatever don't know what it's like to look for a job without the internet, years old. I know. <laughs> and and like you know, these kids that I'm teaching, they're the years old where it's like, well, like, you know, if you were out doing something or you know, you had a game or you were with your parents somewhere you didn't want to be and your friends called and they were like, "Hey, we're going to go to this movie." And you got home after they had called that's just that was it you were just like well i'm not hanging out with friends today because they're gone (laughs) like i I missed it yeah (laughs) right yeah there's no missing it now oh right you can always catch up yeah i guess the flip side to that is i was never quarantined in my home for an entire calendar year so (laughs) (laughs) that was was better (laughs) that was nice I don't think we would be sitting here today if I was quarantined in my home for a full year in high school. Right. So I would be oh my God. That would be dead or in jail. Oh my God. There's no doubt that about that. That would be something. <laughs> Just you and Mr. Ishii and Mrs. Ishii. Oh, my God. <laughs> One whole year. Uh, that's like a reality show. No. That's a <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. I mean, the two of them right now are a show. My dad's Instagram feed is maybe the best content on the internet right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just unhappy pictures of my mother with matter-of-fact captions is really my dad's entire social media presence. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, Everybody, check that out. (laughs) Yeah, let's go go find it. In the meantime, though, Brian... The Knicks. The New York Knicks. The New York Knicks. Last night's Nick game had a flavor to it, not dissimilar to the infamous final regular season game that the Giants played against the Pats in 2007 that we attended. It had that flavor. It was a loss, but it was a loss that felt like an announcement. Right. That I, you know. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, the whole idea, right? It's the whole like moral victories things of like, we say they don't exist, even though we know they exist. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's more that you like, it's more annoying when a coach 
let's take a hypothetical coach. Let's call him Schmo Schmudge. And <laughs> he comes to a press conference and everyone who watched like four hours of football on a given Sunday saw that the team on their television was hideous. They were awful and they played horrendous football. And then, you know, Coach Schmudge would try and tell you that was a moral victory that, you know, that we, maybe we looked like shit, but there was some good things there. And you're sitting there being like, I don't want to hear that because I know what I just looked at. Right. And that was right. That was nothing. Right. Yeah. But last night, first of all, I don't I didn't I didn't really hear any of Thibodeau's postgame comments. I don't think Tom Thibodeau, you know, the funny thing is, too, is you would think this about Joe Judge. But Tom Thibodeau has not seemed like an individual who has ever said the words moral victory. Yeah, yeah. Right. We lost. That's right. all he took away. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he didn't need to say it because we all saw it. I agree with you. I think the, that's the right word, announcement. Like, and, and we've had a bunch of them, right? Where, like, the Knicks, when they got back to 500, and then they got a game over 500. And then, you know, there were early in the year, there were some bigger ones. This one felt different. Yeah. Like, that fourth quarter was, like, you know, especially the way the game went where we couldn't stop them. And you were just like, these guys are unbelievable. <laughs> like, Harden and Kyrie, and you just can't stop them. And then, you know, they have – Jeff Green and Joe Harris just like draining threes. And, and it just feels like when they have those two guys at the top, Kyrie and Harden, like any schmuck can come in there and be unstoppable. And you just, how can you stop these guys? Can we just and take a second to talk about the people who are like, how are the Nets ever going to make it oh work? My God. I, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Like they have Kevin Durant still just sitting out there and he's right. coming back. They're incredible. They're right. ridiculous. They're oh so my... good. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Took them like an hour. <laughs> like it literally took one game and then Kyrie was like, James, you should be the point guard. And James was like, all right, done. Right. Right. <laughs> the best one ever. Okay. <laughs> and Kyrie was like, perfect. I'll be the shooting guard and yeah. I'm awesome at it. Right, like, I'll still score a ton of points. That'd be amazing. He's right. like a perfect two next to Harden. It's like ridiculous. And then Durant as this like positionless monster. Right, but yeah, I, I you know I just don't know how they're gonna make it work. I you know there's only one <laughs> ball. Ball, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> we're all idiots. Ridiculous. You know? like, it's ridiculous. I know. Uh. No, but it felt like that fourth quarter. The way that we suddenly clamped down, you know, and we were suddenly everywhere on defense and they they were struggling to score, you know, and it just felt like I just was never prouder to have Tom Thibodeau as the coach, you know, <laughs> he just, he's barking and it was just like we're in a big game here and like they got us on the ropes and they're better than us and they've been rubbing our faces in it, but we're here and like we're no pushover anymore. And it was just a fun game to watch. Like it was just fun to watch them scrap into that game. Oh, it was so great. I, I said this like a couple of times, I think in our group text, but one of the things I really loved about it was it wasn't like we had to go on some crazy run to, to like catch up with them because they, they kept a pretty comfortable distance from us throughout most of the game. We kept inching closer and they would widen it and inch closer, widen it. And then we finally closed it down, but it didn't, it wasn't some like, bananas like 25 to 3 run that we had to go on where somehow out of nowhere like Frank couldn't miss or something crazy had to happen to get us there we were like Rocky in the first movie where we were just a bull like we were coming at you and we were going to take a million punches to the face but we were going to keep working the body working the body working the body to the point where you know 
use Kyrie. I would prefer Kyrie to Harden, but Kyrie as a stand-in for Apollo Creed to see us come out of the corner again and again and again in that fourth and just be like, ah, you know, yeah. it, it was it was such a pleasurable experience to just do that to somebody. Right. It was like uh, Drago. He's he's not a man. Right. He's a piece of iron. <laughs> right. Or I was also thinking about like, you know, the Sopranos, like we were in a fight to the death. Like, right. you will have to beat me until I'm dead to win this game. Like, you can't just like there won't be a time where I stop fighting. Right. We're not giving up. Yeah. We're going to keep trying to win this game. Yeah. Yes. No, and you know, and, and it's like too that you know, there's the, the the people and I've been guilty of this at times, like the people who get mad at Tibbs when he plays guys too many minutes and you know the whole thing about you know it's like look we're playing again tonight and there was a moment there where we're down 18 and you're thinking hey you're really gonna play randall like 40 minutes but it's like you get there's the plus side of that attitude you know like yes i am because we got to win this game we got to win every game and that's how we're gonna win this game <laughs> because i put obi Toppin in there for four minutes <laughs> <laughs> And they and they scored. We got outscored by twelve, and it was a disaster. So like, yeah, you know, like that's the flip side of it. Is like you can come back in the NBA, and you can't give away games. There's no reason to. And like, yeah, you got to play your best players. So you know, that's definitely the other part of it. Like the good, the good that he brings. You know, right? Yeah, just that. Like, where I mean. Why, why are your best players still in? Because they're our best players. Right. We, they have to be in. <laughs> right, right. No, and, and the intensity. Like, just everything flying around. Like, yeah. Um, you know, what I liked the second half. He did finally, like, you know, went to some things that were working. And, um, you know, Frank came in there and, like, didn't score. But, like, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I do think that fourth quarter, he was a big part of what happened there. Yeah. His defense was catalytic. And... Tibbs wrote him a little bit there and that was fun to see and like did some stuff with Randall at the five and um you know it was just a really fun game to watch yeah what I really liked that he did with Frank which is like a I don't know it's like a cousin of the playing your best players 40 minutes but just Frank got into foul trouble just leave him in just go until you foul out Frank like just (laughs) whatever just keep going Right, and don't try to not foul. Like, right. just play what you do, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, I thought Frank got like three calls that were garbage. Um, yeah, that which, was. You know, a... I really didn't think he should have fouled out at all, but um, I totally agree. Right, like, just I'm not gonna like save Frank for the, <laughs> for the last <laughs> right. couple minutes. But um, yeah, like he's 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 making a difference right now. I'm gonna use it. Absolutely. I mean, the calls too. You know, look, I think. It's 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 a little beneath us, Brian, here on the Giants Among Men podcast to just complain about officiating. But that was disgraceful last night. There were so many things that happened that you're like, what is this? It was. Yeah. You know, I, it's just hard for me to like ever harp on the calls. Like I mean, the, the travel at the end, obviously, like I, I don't really know the rule, honestly, well enough. I, I get it's a bad call. Right. Like, um. I, I don't feel like totally confident about it, but it's like, you know, it would have had to make that three pointer. Like, I still don't feel like we were going to win that game, um, but it, it stunk. But there was, there was a number of them. Yeah. That were really bad. I thought like the whole fourth quarter, um, 
I agree with you too. Like, I don't, you know, want to harp on calls. It's more, and look, this has been said a ton this year because I think everybody is more or less sick of the, um, the review process and, and what it does to games. And it, it, it is a nightmare, but it's like, if it's like, I just think if you're going to put us through the nightmare of making us sit through these, this review process, then it should be perfect. Like it should right. work flawlessly. And it's just like a ridiculous situation where the Knicks had to use a challenge earlier, which they won, but because they use their one challenge, they can't challenge that play at the very end of the game which gave them a chance to send it in overtime, you know? And it's like, well, you already used your only challenge to challenge our mistake. So now you don't have any other resources to once again, correct another mistake that we, the officials <laughs> yeah, made. No, I know that's so true. And yeah, it's I just mean, like, we have this process, make it either make it work or don't let it delay games as long as it does, but don't have it be in this weird where it's like going to correct some things, but not others. And it's I always going to take long. I know that's so true. Cause but I, mean, I get what they're worried about is like, but it's like, it's you're, you're already getting the downside. It has right. overtaken the game. It slowed the game down. It's made it worse to watch. So at least have it get all the calls. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. Right. It's like, now we have the worst of all worlds yeah. where we still get bad calls. It hasn't solved the problem. And it's annoying as hell. Right. Absolutely. I also hated the call that we had to challenge because it was like, how? I mean, you know, that was such an annoying, it was such a great play that we even had to, you know, just the way the Knicks trapped them at the end of the game. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was so great. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I was just so exciting that they didn't default to just like foul, hope they miss, yeah, do this, like basically bleed slowly. It was right. like, you know, go for it. Go get the ball. Go play perfect defense in every one of these possessions and it's, make it as hard on them as possible. Why have? Why don't we see that more often? I don't understand that. Yeah, I know. Especially with, like, NBA athletes. I guess, you know, you just think usually it's so hard to, like, trap NBA players. And, um, and I mean, God, you can't get better ball handlers than they have, you know? So to do it against the Nets, it's even more impressive. Yeah. Right. If, if we could do that to the Nets – then everyone in the NBA should be trying it against whoever at the end of games. Yeah. I, right. It's Maybe it's just laziness. It's like resort to fouling. It's just easier. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Maybe if you're not coached by Tom Thibodeau <laughs> and you have a regular, so ho-hum regular season game in mid-March, you know, that's not yeah. your mindset. Right. You're just going to go grab the guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but a Tom Thibodeau team, that they do that. No. So is – is Emmanuel quickly now PG one? Is he the starting point guard moving forward? Uh, I should ask you this question, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. No, of course, of course he is. <laughs> Listen, I have never been like Alfred Payton is better than Emmanuel quickly. That's yeah. never been my position. It's never been like he should start. I've just trusted Tibbs. Yeah, that's just what I've done to this point. Is it like, you know, because look, and this is this is like a hard thing because you never know how to prove it. Because I, look, I can concede and it's easy to say if quickly remains a starter for the rest of the year and we're better from here on out. I could see why someone would say, well, if quickly it's began starting in, like, say, early December, how much better would we have been between December and March? But 
And I could see why you would think that, but we would never know it for sure right, if right, that would right. be better. And it's definitely not as simple as that. But. Right. And and you could also say that, look, over that stretch of time, you know, just because we don't know every single word Thibodeau uttered to quickly, like, we don't know. Maybe quickly was learning because, like, and we were kind of talking about it earlier today where, you know, there's a few possessions a game where quickly just gives it away. He comes down there and he just launches, launches up a shot that's both not good and way too early in the shot clock. And it's like, that's fine a few times a game. And even the Knicks especially would benefit from that because we we don't score very much. But it's like, he just has to pick his spots a little bit better. And so maybe yeah. at this point, Tibbs is going to be more comfortable to say like, okay, I think you have a better sense of when that's okay and when it's not. So I'm more comfortable with you in a bigger role. Like, we don't know. But, I mean, he sure looked good last night. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, I mean he, and he did it last night. He had, so, he had so there was a minutes there where he started hunting those threes too much, and I get it. Like, and and they they do feel like wasted possessions. Like he comes down, and especially when he's if he's going to do it when he's playing with the starters, it becomes like more costly, right? It's like that's a possession that Randall doesn't touch the ball. That's a possession R.J. Barrett touches the ball, or doesn't touch the ball. Like, it becomes even more damaging. But I just think like you gotta see the forest for the trees here. Of like what he does do the way he opens things up for everybody. Like, um, you know, just having that extra ball handler out there, that extra three point shooter, like, does he get to the rim quite the way Alfred Payton does? Not really, but you know, well enough. He's got the little floater. Um, Payton, you know, isn't that great a finisher anyway, gives you nothing from three point range has not been much of a facilitator seemingly like doesn't ever look for RJ Barrett, which is like very strange. Yeah. And can't shoot. And, like, at this point, it's just, like, I'm just ready. I mean, I'm just, like, that's that's our best lineup. I mean, you can't convince me it's not. No, it is. And, I, you know, quickly may not get to the rim as much as Peyton does. But – and I don't know if this is more just how the Nets were playing us defensively. But he was getting switches almost every time down the floor. Like, I felt like all the time – like quickly started a possession with Kyrie on him and then somehow ended up with DeAndre Jordan or what's his name with the blonde hair? I don't know, that guy. Claxon. Claxon, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like he was getting guarded by them half the time. And then once it was, that was his, you know, matchup. Like, you know, he doesn't have to get to the rim if he can get those switches going. Right, and he has that little floater and he keeps, he does a good job of keeping his dribble alive and like he gets to the line a ton. So it's like, he just gives you so much more and he's every bit as good. I just, the defensive argument I find hard to believe. I think he's a fine defender. Um, You know, I I don't know. If he goes, I I just feel like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how he could put Alfred Payton back in that starting lineup. I really don't. I don't get it. Right. this guy's coming back. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Like, to me, they they got to get him off the team. I really believe that. And I hate being one of those people who's like, I get where people get frustrated making it all about this one guy. It's not everything that is ails the Knicks is not that one dude. Um, but if you were to identify, like, a player where they need to get better at, his spot would be, like, if not the number one, number two. And... I do think the a better player is on the roster who's also younger who is like we have an investment in long term like it just he it just feels like it's got to happen. No, and look, I agree. I, I know that I have both on air and off air, more so off air, been one of Elfried Payton's biggest defenders in probably all of New York City. <laughs> and 
But it's not because I like Elfrey Payton or I think he should play. My defense has more been of Tibbs. And I just think that there's probably plenty of value in Payton as that placeholder to get us to the point where quickly was ready. Because look, I mean, I could, can't you easily see a world where Tibbs isn't the coach quickly is the starter in November or I don't know. When do we start December of the season started, whatever quickly is the starter much earlier than he was this season. And there's growing pains and then there's a dip and then there's a loss of confidence and he's on the back page. Not so quick or, you know, <laughs> like, whatever or quick hook or, you know, something right. where that didn't play out well, where it's like he got like Elfrey Payton just got to have the entire city hate him for three months while quickly worked him his himself up where he could step in. And by the time he stepped in, it was like off to the races. We wouldn't have to go through this like. Was it the right time yet? I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I just I th- thought that was appropriate. I think that makes sense. I, I agree. I just, I thought it took a little too long for that balance to start to like shift. And I now totally read. I mean, I, to me, it's now reached the point like you're just not putting our best team on the floor if you're not putting, if, if, uh, him. Barrett and Randall aren't seeing the floor together most of the game like you are just not playing our best lineup you know like I really do think that that we've reached that point um and Brian Daniel LaRusso probably didn't think he needed to paint the fence both up down (laughs) and side side he probably thought up down was perfectly adequate side side was a little too much but it turned out that was crucial that's true that's true yeah but we had to stay on the floor, I guess, also. I don't know. I thought, yeah, wait, we washed the car. <laughs> All the cars. <laughs> we painted the fence. I was, like, ready to go. He was like, get back here and stay on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I think Tibbs he brings more than he takes away. Um, he's totally – I love him. <laughs> he's done such a great job. This team, I love this team. And everybody's talking about what they should do. They got to get this guy and that guy. Like, to me, I feel like we've identified the core four. Quickly, RJ, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. I'm ready to, like, do battle with that team. Like, does it need improvements? Yes. Does it need, you know, a Bullock upgrade, some bench pieces, you know, figure out what to do with OB? Yes, all that. But, like, as the core, I like that team. I like rooting for it. I like watching it. Um, I'm not, look, I'm not sitting here being like, we got to do this. We got to get this guy. We got to get that guy. Like, I really don't feel that way. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you said it on, on the air or, or if you said it, you know, in a text or something like that, but it's so hard to win a title. Only one team. I don't, this is a stat for everybody. One team a year is <laughs> the NBA champion. So, right. But also like four teams every 20 years you know what i mean right like the same, like, you've had so many repeat champions it's actually like even harder than that yeah and so all you can all you can really ask for and this is the the incredibly low bar that the knicks have somehow missed by a mile for such a long time is just like i like the team yeah like it's not just like i root for the laundry i also love the dudes that we have and yeah. 
yeah, this is a team now where, like, I really kind of feel that way. Like, I love these dudes, and let's go. I don't want to give up any of them. I don't want to trade any of them. I'd be yeah. sad to see any of them go. And, like, yeah, I also want better players. I want to tinker. I want upgrades here and there. Guess what? So does every NBA fan base, including the Laker fans and including the Nets. I mean, there's no Nets fans, let's be honest. But, like, right. the Philly fans, they would love a tinker, an upgrade, a shooter, whatever. Like, we're, we're not special. We're not like any other, you know, team's fans that doesn't want somebody better. Like, everybody has a Reggie Bullock on their team. Yeah. You know? But I love these guys. No, I like the team. I mean, I'm, that's my team. I'm like, that's the team. That that's like, and that's the great thing about the season is I feel like we've accomplished so much stuff. Which is like, you've accomplished the guys, the go forward guys. Like to me, that is those four guys are, that's the core. Yep. Then we know we need to get better at Reggie Bullock's spot, but I don't think Reggie Bullock can't play for us. Like, you just you know, if he's off the bench, like okay, that's fine. He he does some useful things. Like we know we you know we need to get better at that spot. He was defending Harden all night last night, so obviously Tim has confidence in him. He's a good player. Yeah, he just like he's not consistent enough. He's not prolific enough. But he's you know, you don't have to like get rid of him. But I mean, I would trade him if if we could get you know the right thing back. You know, I think those three lottery picks we've had that haven't totally worked out. You got Frank Knox and now Obi. Um, I think any of them I would put in deals if you know they brought back the right people. Um, I think if I had to rate them, like I think Frank can be a useful piece. So I would keep, you know, he, as a bench player, like I like him. Um, Knox, whatever, we'll see. Obi, I mean, Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> I think Obi, they got to look to deal. Like, because actually now we, at his spot, like we need a player. Like we really need yeah. a backup power forward who's not terrible. <laughs> like kind of desperately, you know, and it would make a big difference. You so know how I feel about it, but. So, like, and again, I, I don't know. What are your feelings on Knox right now? Where are you on the Knox meter? I, I don't. I don't care about Kevin. Knox. Like, would I, if if Obi's not going to play, and he sat him down the whole second half yesterday, he was clearly he was that was like a fighter who had been knocked out. <laughs> that was he threw the towel on Obi for the night. You know, he was like, I don't want to see this guy again. And if you're going to keep using him in this way where he's not the role man and he's spotting up in the corners, like to me, I would give Knox a shot in that role. Um, because I, you, Obi can't, you can't be worse than Obi is playing right now, unfortunately. I, and I like Obi as a person. I think he's a talented kid. He is playing so bad. No, he's terrible. Like he, he can't do anything. I know it's like hard to say which side of the floor he looks worse on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like my uncle. They used to ask if he was slower going forwards or backwards. Like, <laughs> Obi, is he worse in retreat or going forward? He is so bad. So I would give Kevin Knox one game. I'd give him those 15 minutes and see if his corner threes could be something. Uh, now, the flip side of that is, do I think Kevin Knox is a good player? Probably not. I th think the thing with Kevin Knox is like you look at those areas where we need to improve and you think about the backup power forward or like the Bullock spot. And Kevin Knox theoretically is a guy who could become that player. Now, do I think he is? No, I don't. <laughs> I suspect very strongly he's not. And that he's not only is he not, that he's not any good at all. But I think that's where just the interest in him comes. Yeah, and I get... 
I get that. But what I don't understand is that he's been on the team for three years. Like we've seen it's he's not an unknown quantity. We know him. He's been around. He's disappointing. Yeah. I mean, no. And I agree. So I would like to me, I would trade him. I'd put him in deals like. I think that's how you view him. He's not a part. He's not a part of the future unless like somebody else goes down and he gets a shot and he plays well. Like I think we're there where I would give him a shot and let it see if he could do something here. But if I was like the Knicks brass, the way I would view him is like in the in the bag we have. We've got some draft picks. We've got you know, you Frank Obi. Like those guys are just in a bag waiting to to yeah to, to go. To go, and, and he's in there. I also just think if Knox could help us, think about the team and the way we're structured and even that article that came out last week about what goes on behind the scenes and how, you know, with World Wide West, you can't tell when he says we, you can't tell if he's referring to the Knicks or to Kentucky. You know, Knox can't have any shortage of cheerleaders in the organization. Kenny Payne, worldwide. Kenny Payne coached him at Kentucky. Worldwide West loves Kentucky. You got to believe that if Knox could, like, if if Knox was even should be in the mix, he would be in the mix, right? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think like you got Obi there. You just drafted him. You really want to see him. Like, I kind of get where they're. That's just the priority. Yeah, and, and that's Knox, the business side of it. I get that. Yeah. And Knox is, he's, I'm sure he's not like knocking down the door. Like he doesn't strike me as like a Tibbs. I'm not like, I can't believe Tibbs doesn't like Knox, you know? <laughs> right. No, I agree. I just, I'm more saying like, I think that, and, and look, I understand you watch Obi play and people will think to themselves, how could Knox not be getting those minutes? And part of it is definitely, it's Leon Rose's, first draft pick within the organization he's not going to admit defeat this early like just probably as a matter of pride almost (laughs) but i also just think there's so many people in the organization who in theoretically could or or should have Knox's back and if he's still not playing despite that he probably just stinks he probably does i I agree with you i just think i get where it's like why people think he should maybe played right now. Like you do have this guy, he is playing awful. Knox could slot in, in that role, set screens, put him in the corner. And maybe he will make that shot. <laughs> Whereas right now, Obi <laughs> Toppin has airballed it. Right. <laughs> seven times. Scott. <laughs> he is three of 21 on corner threes with seven air balls. <laughs> Seven air balls on the shot that everybody is trying to get in the game today is the corner three because it's the shortest three. It's worth three points. It's like an extra free throw. The guy we have on our second unit (laughs) whose job it is to take those shots has seven air balls. (laughs) Why? Like, I don't – that's the other thing because, you know, the Strickland had that article where, you know, why aren't we using Obi as the role man? Like – that's the thing where it's so hard to piece together because it is confusing. But Tibbs obviously knows basketball. He's a good coach. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. clear. Yeah. So why? Why why is this happening? I don't know. There is a know. reason though, presumably. 
Probably. And someone who knows basketball better than you or I probably could explain it better. Like, I don't know. I mean, I have noticed the Knicks have this sort of motion offense where they like, you know, guys come in from the corners and then they, um, you know, they don't run a lot of straight pick and roll. Um, but when they do, they do it with Noel and Mitchell Robinson. And like, for some reason, even I think they like to do it with the center. Um, and then when Obi's in, like, he can't really play center. Um, so I don't know. I, I, you're right. I mean, it's like Tibbs has to understand. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's got to know that's probably what the guy's skill set is. So why they don't run a lot of those plays for him. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's beyond my expertise, but it does feel like they use him like this stretch four that just like doesn't make any sense that he's not. Yeah. That he's not at all. And I right. feel bad for him. Cause he's like, I can't tell if he just sucks totally or if he's just totally out of his element. Um, and maybe somebody could unlock him, but like in the interim, like, you know, if we're a playoff team and these games all matter, <laughs> like they've got a problem there that, that has to get sorted out. Like they need a solution for Obi right now. Well, like these games are starting to matter. Like, you know, like, <laughs> um, and he's a, he's, they played him four minutes, man. And like, it lost us the game. And, like, I don't know if that's fair. He, like, played four or five minutes and went 0 for 1. Like, is it him? But, it God, it felt like it, didn't it? <laughs> yes. It really <laughs> felt like it. <laughs> yes. He just looked lost on defense. He airballed his one three-pointer. And then it was like, get that guy the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, you know, suddenly – and, like, you need somebody to come in and give Randall a rest every now and then. Like, Right, but that's the crazy thing. Is that Tibbs is like, no, I'll just play Randall all all, all the minutes and not yeah. even put him in. Like, that's... I, The solution could be, like, one of the issues I think the Knicks have had is that they haven't been able to play Randall and Barrett apart because Barrett hasn't really thrived when Randall's not with him. And it feels like he's taking another leap. Yeah. And so maybe you can do that more now. Maybe he's ready to, like, shoulder that. Right, and maybe, like, with quickly paired with Barrett... Yeah, more. you could get Randall off the floor yeah. and still survive for a few minutes. So maybe that's what they do going forward. Right. And then I guess we'll, you know, we will get Derrick Rose back soon. I'm assuming. <laughs> do we have it? What's going on? It's possible. Yeah. What like is that? Negative or like eight inconclusive tests? Like what kind of tests are he's using? Right. What's right. the problem? Or more like, what is Derrick Rose up to? Why? Right. Why are they so inconclusive? Does he sort of have COVID or like? <laughs> Hey, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you think we will get him back at some point. The RJ leap is, is it just maturity? Do you think, what's changed there, you think? Yeah, he's just the shooting, right? He's just put it all together. It's He's he's so exciting, I gotta say. Like his, the way he's been playing the last, it's so funny, you know, you know, it was like we were talking about, I think the last time we did the show and everybody like discovering the Knicks when they got over 500, like when RJ had that 30 point game, it was like, again, the national media discovered RJ Barrett. There yeah. was like five think pieces about him, um, <laughs> even though he's been playing great for like a month and they are still so caveated about, oh, he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. And you're like, God, come on. And like, 
I'm watching this guy play. Like he's putting it all together. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember who wrote. I can't remember now who wrote it. But one of the best things I saw was like one of the most maddening things about RJ is everyone tries to find a comp. Maybe it was Jonathan Marchie's uh, newsletter, but it's like everybody tries to find a comp. Like you're always trying to find a comp for players to say just so you could fit them in a box. Like, oh, this guy is this guy, or, or you know, yeah. And with yeah. RJ, there's it's it. There's no. There's no comp like and I think one of the funniest things lines from it, it was Jonathan Marchie's newsletter, but it was one of the funniest lines from it was just like and he and like what speed is he moving? I can't even tell, right. which is true. <laughs> like he's just I think he's fast. He doesn't look fast. Right. But I think he's fast. Right. He's not moving fast, but he gets where he's going. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Faster right. than other people, seemingly. Right. right. <laughs> I know, and he's not a great athlete, but then every once in a while he'll, like, tomahawk one, and you're like, well, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I think more than anything, it's just, like, he is fast, and he's really strong, and he's deceptive about it. It's almost because he's not that kind of athlete where yeah. you don't see him move. Like, you know, you watch, like, Westbrook run, and you're like, God, that guy's explosive. Or you see Kyrie and, and Harden last night, and you're like, man, those guys are smooth. And he's neither of those things. He's not explosive. He's not smooth. Yeah. But he's fast and he's strong. Yeah, he's big. Yeah. So he's deceptive. He's just deceptive. Yeah, I mean, he's becoming a, a reliable shooter, which is all he ever needed. You know, he went 10 for 10 from the line. The line! Yeah. <laughs> he did it! No, he's really great. He is fun. Um. You know, it'll be fun to watch the whole evolution of this guy, too. I know. I know. I'll be interested to see. So tonight, obviously, the fans know it's Tuesday. Uh, and tonight, they're going to go um, – they're going to play on a back-to-back. So after last night's game, like, tonight, how Tibbs manages the, the lineups tonight is going to be really interesting because that was just a, you know, a 15-round championship fight last night. And now we have to play Philly. Where, you know, they don't have Embiid. They're still good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and the last time we played them, Ben Simmons really just stripped RJ naked. He just, <laughs> yeah. like, really <laughs> humiliated him. That's true. He did shut him down just totally. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how, like, especially coming off the emotional high of last night, probably everybody's exhausted. It's a back-to-back. It's two really good teams. Yeah, and the schedule's hard. I'm really interested to see how we sound when you and I talk a week from now. Yeah. Whether we're in the doldrums or or we've or, or last night really was what we thought it was. Yeah, I hope it's what we thought it was. <laughs> All right, let me do a quick ad read because I have I have ignored our sponsors for most of this podcast. You're listening to Giants Among Men on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Your support keeps us going. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Also, don't forget to download our app. Radio Free Brooklyn app is available in wherever you get apps. They're great. It's great. Okay. Uh, any more on the Knicks, Brian? Or are no, you ready let's, let's, to let's depress go to the yourself? Opposite, yeah. The opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> right. We go from exciting to infuriating. Oh, God. 
I'm so I know you're upset. I'm so mad. I don't even know if I can. You might have to get us started because I am so angry. Scott, we signed Leonard Williams. <laughs> we did it's it. Done. <laughs> done. Our long national nightmare is over. This was and the Scott. We also signed Cullen Gelaspia. <laughs> is that the fullback? <laughs> the fullback that we have long sought is in the fold. Devontae Booker, Austin Johnson. Austin Johnson was a re-sign. A re-sign. <laughs> John Ross and Leonard Williams, the big fella, is coming home. Deal is done. Dave Gettleman's long project has come to beautiful fruition. So let's talk about the odyssey of Leonard Williams because it's 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 you have to because it ha- it's there's no, that's the context for everything that's happening. Everything. We trade away picks to bring a guy on an expiring deal in so that we can get a look at him. Of course, we fired everybody who got a look at him. All the coaches that got a look at him, we fired all of them. Right. So we brought we gave away picks, got him in the building, got a look at him, fired everyone that looked at him, brought in all new people to look at him. They continued to look at him. He had a great year last year. They fixed him. Yeah, they fixed him. We were on the air, we have said. I, I loved Leonard Williams. And that's why it's very important that I don't blame him for the absolute fiasco that ensued. Like, I don't understand why we put ourselves in this. So for those who don't understand, last year, so we trade for Leonard Williams. His, his contract expires. We had to franchise tag him last year. So last year, last season, Leonard Williams was the highest paid player on the Giants. We franchise tag him. So a deal is still pending. We have all this time, can't get a deal done. So we have to franchise tag him again. What franchise tagging him again, last year at $16 million, this year at $19.5 million. What that did was the franchise tag sets the floor for negotiations. Why would Leonard Williams sign a deal that's paying him any less than $19.5 million a year? He can just make $19.5 million this year. So, of course, he's not going to accept anything less than that because he's accepted the franchise tag. Wonderful. Yeah. So, now we franchise tag him again. So, the Giants have to pay him more than $19.5 million. You had to know that even at, during last year. So, why? How did, so the, what do they end? The contract ends up being three years, $63 million. So, that's, you know, it's it's going to be structured in a way that, you know, he's actually going to make $11 million this year, which frees up $8 million for the Giants in cap space for this season, which evidently is all they needed to do. But it's roughly $21 million a year. So we're talking $2 million a year over three years. Was that the sticking point? Like, my God. I mean, it's actually, like, a pretty good deal for the Giants. Like, he's not, um, you know, to have it only count $11 million on the cap. Um just for yeah, for this year. It's only three years. Like it's uh you know, I think it's a good contract for him. But I, I, I know what you mean. It's just all the drama of this, like why this couldn't have been taken care of so that we didn't have to franchise him and wonder you know, that probably has cost us free agents, like Well, uh, exactly. So here's the other thing I wanted to say, because it costing us free agents, right? So I know we're only paying them $11 million this year, but that's, that could be done with any player. They could like, just however you structure That's how the NFL works. It's like yeah, you, you yeah. structure your deals. So we also desperately need an edge rusher and 
this draft class apparently does not have much in the way of edge rushers. So the guys available this year and what they signed for, Bud Dupree, who was a nightmare for us in week one, signed for three years, $21.5 million, so seven a year. Bud Dupree, seven a million a year. We're going to pay Leonard yeah. Williams 21 a year. 11 this year, but basically 21 a year. Matt Judon signed for four years, $56 million. So that's $14 million a year. And Yannick Ngakwe signed with the Raiders for two years, $26 million. So that's 13 a year. We're paying Leonard Williams more than every single one of those top-tier edge rushers that just signed in free agency. Just yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? Why is that a reality? Like, I get what you're saying. Like, oh, it's not a terrible deal for Leonard Williams. You know, like, six, three years, $63 million, not too long. Four years, $56 million would have gotten us Matt Judon. Bud Dupree, $21.5 million. Bud Dupree's the all of Bud Dupree's contract is what Leonard Williams is set to make annually. Yeah, I mean, I, like I think I don't have a I, I, like I he's our best player. We had to have him back, but like, what is frustrating to me is the Giants have done such a poor job. Like that when you look at this off season, like everything we needed is is there yep. for the taking. Like. There are edge. There's available edge rushers who would like solve our problem. There's like available wide receivers. There, there were offensive linemen of note who we could add, and like we were not in a position to get them, and yet we have no good players. So you're just like, what happened here? You know? Right. Why are we in a cap space? We don't have any good players. <laughs> How did this happen? And it doesn't make any sense. Our two most important offensive players are are still on their rookie contracts and our right. starting left tackles on a rookie contract. And we have maybe I would say James Bradbury is a really, really good player, and so is Leonard Williams. But how are we out of money? Right. We don't have any that many good players on defense. Right. We don't have any good players on offense. And we let Dalvin Tomlinson walk. And how what is how does that affect Leonard Williams too? I know we still have Dexter Lawrence and we re-signed Austin Johnson. But right. But like we let him, we let him go. What does that do? To, and we could have traded him last year. Green Bay wanted him, right? And we just let him walk. <laughs> they're they're not doing a good job, Scott. They're not no. doing a good job. <laughs> no, no. This off season is like, it's such a weird reality check to like what happened last year where there was this false sense of progress, you know? And like, yeah. people, remember people were like, who gets the credit for what, the <laughs> <laughs> for what the Giants are doing? The credit. Nobody. <laughs> like, right. And then it's like, you know, we should have known because it was like, you, you could have foreseen the cap was going to go down. I didn't, I didn't like see it that it was going to be this much of a problem. But, like, to have them this early in free agency where you're just like, they can't do anything. And I guess, like, would Kenny Galladay, would that salvage anything for you? Like, what would it take to salvage this offseason as, like, something that happened? <laughs> I know. I don't think anything salvages it, honestly. Like, again, too, like, yes, the cap went down. Fine. Yeah, but yeah. if the cap it's went, no excuse. Yeah. No, it's not. A, it's no excuse. And I just think the the best example of how little of an excuse it is is, like, I think it's fair to say the Baltimore Ravens are considerably better than the New York Giants. 
So can someone explain to me how it was you that son of a bitch? <laughs> we couldn't afford Kevin Zeitler, but somehow the Ravens could. I right, right. They fit him right in. Right, right. our best offensive lineman. We had to let go. We had to let go. Like right. not only have we not added players, we had to let two of our best players walk. Right, and they went to teams that are better than us. Right, right. And oh, how? Man. How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. You know, and it's like, it goes back to the whole, like, the Beckham trade, where it's like, you're evaluating that, and like, oh, it doesn't look so bad years later. But it's like, we had to, that deal was like, cost us like 20 million in like, dead cat money, you know? It's right. Like, the problem with that deal is just, it's it's symbolic of this regime, like, not knowing what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, not having no plan. Like, we're, we have $4 million of golden tape and dead cat money. Right, like, oh. What? What? <laughs> why? And the players, they do sign. Like, why did we sign this backup running back for $6 million? For $6 million! Why? How what about, do we need him for? Don't sign that guy and never have signed Golden Tate to begin with, and there's $10 million for you right there. Yeah, I guess, like, someone was saying that Gallman wants wants a decent deal, and so that's why we couldn't just bring him back. But, like, okay, fine, then just draft a guy in the fifth round. Right. Pick up a guy. Like, don't go spend money on, like, like Saquon's backup you know like yeah we pulled alfred morris off the street last year and, and he, he was got fine. carries right who cares <laughs> right we got Devonte freeman he was fine too like right you have only a couple little bit of money to spend like look do we need this fullback i mean <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> it's also too we get this fullback and and i'm sure there are people out there who might think to them like oh well look what uh, San Francisco does with Vucek. It's like, yeah, because Shanahan calls the plays there. Jason Garrett is not creatively using the fullback. That's right, just right. not happening. Yeah. No. I, like, I haven't seen this, the, the details on that contract, but I mean, it's just like anything is too much. Right. <laughs> if we had to give away guys to help bring this guy in, I mean, God almighty. Um, so I don't know. Well, I mean, let's say they sign Kenny Galladay. Let's just say that happens. Okay. Well, what what what, what does that do anything? What I has mean, to happen where you're not apoplectic on as camp opens? I mean, I guess Galladay makes a difference. I I don't know. I, I'm just not that excited about him, even if we do get it. First of all, getting him is not a lock. But no, I, I don't think it is at all. I'm, 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 like. It seems like all the emphasis is on that guy. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. Least, it's, it's like, at least if we get that guy, but it's like, because we signed John Brown, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Look, I guess I could go, I could go into camp feeling at like just deeply suspicious. That would be my, you know, that's as high as I'm willing to go right now. With, if like, we let's got... say you sign Galladay, you draft Waddle. Right. And then okay. the rest of the draft is depth you like yeah yeah that i would okay yeah i'm going to go okay i mean i still like i still go all right you know i need Ingram to play well i need you need um, the line to hold up a line to hold up you need the 
you know, we still don't have it. You know, I don't know. I'm assuming maybe you draft an edge rusher. You're still, we're still going to be in, we're still going to be in whatever June talking about Lorenzo Carter. Right. And O'Shane Jimenez. And uh, is this the year? Those guys, we still need a corner. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I would say if we got Galladay and Waddle. Yeah. That gives the offense a shot to balance out the defense somewhat. Because we've talked about You've said it a couple times already. We can't expect the defense is going to bail us out like they did last year or hold down the fort like they did last year. Even if we didn't lose anybody, we couldn't expect a repeat of that. Yeah. But I think Galladay and Waddle give us enough threats on the field where maybe the offense can you know, bring bring some things into better balance. Um, but we still have nobody to rush the passer. And I yeah. don't I don't know where that comes from anymore at this point. And I think the line is a huge if. <laughs> Major if. I mean, you're talking about what's his name uh, on the right tackle, um, the second-year guy. Pert. Um, Pert, yeah. You know, two guards who both might stink. Right. Um, the center, you know, I think is a good player. And I, I think Andrew Thomas will be good. I really do. But, you know, <laughs> it's three pretty big hips. That's big hips. <laughs> and I'm confused also because I seem to recall last year Dave Gettleman announced that the offensive line was finally fixed. Right, right. <laughs> I believe he told us that. I know. God. I'm just so sick of hearing about the Giants are rebuilding and this is what it looks like. And, you know, it's like, look, that. It's too long. They got to be good. Right. Like they don't need to win the Super Bowl next year. They don't need to win the division. They don't need to go eleven and five. But if the Giants aren't eight and eight next year or better, it's a total failure and disaster. Like yes. if they're six and ten, it's like, oh my god! I <laughs> like, know. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. Because then, then we got to then we got you know we got to fire the GM and then uh, you know who's gonna. Does the GM like Judge and is Daniel Jones? You know, God, it's just like then we rebuild again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I'm just too emotional still to actually evaluate things. I, like I just I can't understand how we went into this off season without any cap space and our team is terrible. And I know everybody. Everybody had a lower cap. The whole league did, not just us. So I just don't know how we have such a bad team. And yeah no flexibility yeah and that alone is just like that gettleman is still in the building i can't like i just can't see past any of the rest of it to actually analyze things it's just i'm just too outraged and on that note we do have to end the radio show thank you for listening follow us on social radio free brooklyn rate review subscribe bonus time um so, yeah, I'm just too emotional right now. I'm too upset. I can't believe Gettleman's still there. There's probably some good things. I like the John Ross signing, honestly. Uh, at least he's fast. At least he does something. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> All right, he's fast. He's never been good ever, but he is right. fast. Hey. <laughs> and it once seemed like he could. I, mean, I guess, like, he's been on the Bengals. You know, yeah, it's not exactly uh, you know a murderer's row of quarterbacks. He's been well browned. Um, you know, maybe 
when he get when he sees Danny Dimes, it's gonna be like a whole <laughs> new world. <laughs> um, oh God, I can't wait to get excited about Daniel Jones because I'm gonna do it, Scott. I'm gonna try to get you excited, <laughs> and you're not gonna want to. No, I'm not. I'm gonna fight no. you really hard this year. Yeah, no, it's fair. There's gonna be a preseason game where I'm like, you look pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to connect with Kenny Galladay. You're going to be like, Super Bowl! Yeah. I don't know. There's also a world where this offseason just ends in a complete thud, and you're just like, wow. Right. (laughs) Right. I'm Uh, waiting to get the alert on my phone that, like, the Jets got Galladay. Yeah, or somebody, yeah. Uh, Washington got him. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. Look, I guess we got to let it play out, but I agree with you. It's indefensible. They are where they are, um, and and I, I I'm not I'm not, like there's a good chance that we go through this off season and we're 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 standing there going like, oh my god, I can't I can't believe this is what what they were able to accomplish. I I, I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm like secretly rooting for that. Yeah. Like I just it, it's like want it to fall apart. Yeah. I know the re- another rebuild will be brutal, but I also feel like we have to just purge. We have to just yeah, purge yeah. ourselves of all our our outdated thinking and philosophies and nonsense. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you need like Mara to have to like cede control, and you know what's the the Tishes to be like? Look, we're we can't run the business the way we've been doing it. Like we, you know, I mean, that's ultimately the problems. Yeah. Um, John Mara, wonderful man, um, wonderful family, doesn't really know what he's doing and thinks he does and won't won't change. <laughs> won't change. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think in order to, to get that to happen, we just need total humiliation. Well, it's possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, so far this offseason has been humiliating enough. Total humiliation. We'll get that put on t-shirts for everybody. <laughs> It'll be up at our store right next to the It Can Always Get Worse t-shirts. That... <laughs> All the merch. Uh, all right, Brian. Anything else for us today? Oh, that's it for me. All right. Well, uh, Knicks, Sixers tonight. Give me your pick. Um, I'm going to pick the Knicks. I think they get it done. I hope so. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and pick the New York Knicks as well, I think. <laughs> Why not? It costs nothing. Optimism costs nothing. That's right? true. I like that. I like that. That could go to a t-shirt too. All right, Brian. Thanks for joining us. I'm back. Even though you're back. <laughs> See you next week. I'm back.